Welcome to the Cheyenne Vineyard Podcast, bringing you a message of hope for your everyday world. If you'd like to contact us, contact us at info at CheyenneVineyard.com. You can also find out more information about the Cheyenne Vineyard Church at CheyenneVineyard.com. Thank you and enjoy today's podcast. Well, good morning. So often um, we're, uh, we're faced with choices um, and our responses uh, determine <laughs> what we get. Uh, you know, um, I just encourage us all to, uh, when the Lord's offering something, take it. (laughs) Um, Even if you're wondering if if that's for you, just take it. (laughs) Grab a hold of it. Uh, Because, I mean, the Lord... Uh, <clears throat> we're all his favorite. So it's not like he's withholding anything from from any one of us. Uh, so uh, it was a, a few months ago, I guess, that uh, I a couple of us were meeting with some intercessors uh, <clears throat> who've been praying for us as as a body, and one of them for me in particular for a long time that I was so blessed to find out about. And uh, there, there was one word that, that really stuck out from that meeting. When the message is right, it'll be confirmed with signs and wonders. Remember that? And so that was an encouragement to me to continue to seek an understanding of the real apostolic gospel. Because I... Even at the time, my understanding of of that word was that <clears throat> it was us. We were going to be the message. Uh, and when we were truly the message, then God was going to bless that and confirm it with signs and wonders. And uh, But in order for us to get there, in order for us to be the message, we have to understand what the message is. Right? <laughs> I mean, we uh, we can't go where we don't know where we're going. Although Abraham did, right? <laughs> but God showed him where he was going as, as he went. And, and that's kind of the way it is with us also. So, I feel like I have an important message for us today in in that vein 
of getting the message right, and not only that, but being the right message. Uh, <clears throat> and I, I would, if I had to entitle this, I, I would have one of two titles. It would either be True Repentance or it would be Toward an Apostolic Gospel or Toward an Understanding of the Apostolic Gospel because, I mean, there's there's one thing that we have to understand. The, the apostles had it right. Uh, and, and we know uh, from Acts chapter 2 and 3 uh, some of what that looked like. Uh, and it, it looked a lot different than the way things look today. So while God may not want us to look exactly like that, there are things that we need to learn from that in order to be what he wants us to be today. So um, <clears throat> I, I have to give Dutch Sheets uh, a little bit of credit for some of what's in the message today. Uh, he, he has really been speaking into my life uh, over the last few months. Uh, I, I've always liked him, uh, but it's funny how God uses different people at different times in our lives to, to really speak, to disciple us. I mean, I've never met him, but through his books and his message, he, he's discipling me. We can still be discipled by John Wimber. Uh, he's got so many books and, and so many great teachings out there, we, we can still be discipled by him. We, we can be discipled by Jonathan Edwards. <laughs> uh, and, he, yeah, they, they lived a couple centuries ago. So... <clears throat> Uh, anyway, need need to give him a little credit, and and I, I also uh, I, I want to speak a word of encouragement to us, and and this is something that I didn't really get until I heard Mike Bickle talk about it. Uh, when when I teach and and I I speak forth something to you. Uh, it's it's not real often that it becomes revelation to you. I mean that does happen sometimes, but it's it's usually not a real deep revelation. And it's more of an invitation for you to dig into whatever it was that I was saying so that that revelation can get deeper. So, so that it can really get here and, and not just stay here. Uh, and, and Revelation is part of the message today, so I, I, I want you to understand that. And the way Mike Bickle kind of describes it is that when, when he teaches, when, when I teach, when, when anybody teaches, it's, it's more like we're giving you a menu. We're not giving you the meal. You you have to go get the meal yourself. <laughs> but I'm I'm showing you what's what's available to you. Uh, because you know something has happened in me getting ready for this, and 
and that's the way it needs to be every week. But if if you want to happen in in your heart and in your life through the message, what what has happened to me? Then you got to do what I did. You you got to dig it out. You you got to get in the word. You got to get out your Greek dictionary and your Hebrew dictionary, and and you you actually have to do the work. So, uh, I mean that. I just I speak that as as a word of encouragement, exhortation, encouragement, uh, challenge, maybe even, uh, but that's really the way it is, uh, because we we all have the word, and, and we're all responsible to be people of the word, and and to to get that word not only in here but in into here, and, and that really happens through meditation, on the word. Uh, so, you know, if, if you try to live on what I can give you on, on a Sunday morning, that, that is a starvation diet. That's, that's like what, what they fed the prisoners in, in the <laughs> concentration camps in, in Germany in, in the 1930s and, and 40s. It's not enough. Uh, anyway, enough, enough about that. Um, <clears throat> There's there's something wrong with the gospel as it's being presented in the church in America right now. Because uh, of the people who make a decision, and, and I will put that in quotes, of, of the people who make a decision for Christ, 3 to 5% actually end up Becoming followers of Jesus. That's that's bad, folks. That, that that's why we're where we are today. Uh, now, Jonathan Edwards in the Great Awakening, his percentage was exactly opposite. It was ninety-seven percent. So we we got to wonder okay what <laughs> what's the difference what what's going on i mean it's not like we have a difference of 10% <laughs> it's 97 and 3 there's a big problem there and and i i really think the message today hits at if not the root of the problem, definitely a root of of the problem. So, uh, I I fully expect uh, people to get saved today. People to enter God's kingdom today, because <laughs> God is here, <laughs> and. And I am presenting the gospel like I've never seen it presented today. So, yes, Lord. Ah, I want to start with a couple questions. 
Is there a difference between praying a sinner's prayer, I'll put that in quotation marks because that's an American idea, and being born again? There is. Uh, there, there was another church uh, in town a few years ago. They had this evangelist guy come in, and um, <clears throat> he, he came in, he trained a bunch of people, and then they, they went out into the city. And frankly, they presented a flawed gospel. And if somebody... Repeated after them this this little nice little prayer, they would say, "You're you're now a Christian and you're going to heaven." He. I I went out with him for like five minutes and I said, "I I don't want anything to do with this, because <laughs> this <laughs> this this is not right." So the other question is, what is the true nature of repentance? And, and that's really what, what I want to get at today. So what is repentance? It's, it's turning from sin and going the other way. That's part of it. It's, it's remorse or, or sorrow for sins committed. But we shouldn't limit our understanding of repentance to these things. Because the repentance that the Lord is seeking leads to transformation. And even more than that, and this is where, this is part of where we've really gotten it wrong, is that repentance and the new birth, salvation, is intended to bring us back all the way to original intent, to, to God's original intent for humans as his creation. And, and so, you know, we know the story from, from Genesis 1 and 2 of of how things were intended to be. That's, that's original intent. Adam and Eve walked with God. And, and he showed them what he had for them to do. You know, I, I, I don't think God gave, gave them every little detail like a micromanager. <laughs> I, I really don't see it that way, but, but he... They knew what he wanted them to do, and they did it joyfully in in close relationship and and that's that was life and and it was life, it was true life it was it was joyous, and then something happened. we know they they disobeyed God. And, and part of Satan's trick was, <clears throat> you know, if, if you eat this fruit, 
you will actually be like God. You, you will know what you don't know. And, and that was what got them. They thought God was withholding something. And they thought they, they could live, they could get this knowledge, and then they would be able to live on their own. They, they would be able to choose what to do and what not to do instead of relying on God telling them. And, and that's what happened. Uh, and, and humanism today is, is, is the, the mature fruit of, of that sin. Man is God. We, we have all of our own solutions. We, we can fix whatever problems we have because we are it. We, we are the top of the evolutionary chain. There's, there's nothing higher than us. And, and we have, have it all. And where is that leading people? In, in, into all kinds of bondage, in, into all kinds of uh, depression, in, into just a mess, which is where we are. <laughs> and, I mean, in, in our country, we're, we're seeing the fruit of man as God. Man as his own God. And and so <clears throat> it is it is into this situation, this fallen situation that Jesus comes to show us what it looks like to live a a right human life before God. Because he, he lives it. He lives his life just exactly as Adam and Eve did before the fall. And he describes that to us. I, I say nothing but what the Father is saying. I do nothing but what the Father is doing. That, that was it. And, it it's, and, and Jesus says, this is not a hard life. He, he says, come to me. You who are weary and burdened and, and tired and, and worn out and depressed and amassed and, and come to me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. In other words, live with me. Live in partnership with me and, and I will show you the way. So, anyway... I really want us to understand the process. This is more than just repentance that I'm talking about. This, because there's, there's really three Greek words that are the key to, to understanding God's intent for us being born again. And, and this is what it takes. So the first passage I want to look at is Romans 16, 25. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel 
and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which has been kept secret for long ages past. That first word that, that we need to understand about being born again and about repenting is revelation. Apocalypsis or apocalypsis uh, is the Greek word. And it's that word that's translated revelation in Romans 16.25. It, it has to do with uncovering, unveiling, disclosing, the removal of ignorance and darkness by the communication of light, knowledge, illumination, instruction. Because what happened <clears throat> to mankind after the fall is our understanding became veiled. Uh, we, we came under darkness. So we, we no longer knew God. And we needed revelation. We needed God to unveil himself. Which is exactly what Paul is speaking about in this verse. It's the revelation of the mystery. And, and the mystery that he was talking about was that this, this salvation that Jesus came to give, it wasn't just for the Jews. It was also available to us. <laughs> which was a great mystery, but which was amazing news for us. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that was good news. Which is why Paul was sent to the Gentiles. And he brought uh, the, the revelation, the unveiling of the mystery to the people. Now, now there is actually... Uh, <clears throat> what I was talking about in the very beginning about how you need to dig stuff out for yourself, uh, God gives gifts of revelation. You don't always have to dig it out for yourself. Uh, and Paul, when he would go and he would speak forth the mystery of salvation, uh, some people would get it in their hearts and, and they would what must I do? Uh, just like Peter, when he gave the first gospel message in Acts chapter 2, uh, the people responded, what, what, what must I do? <laughs> this, this is the truth. I, I know this is the truth. I, nobody has to tell me. I, I just, I know. And <clears throat> so, I mean, Jonathan Edwards was, was the same way. I mean, the guy he would be he would be preaching, and and people would run up to the altar, and he'd say, "You go back and sit down. You're not ready yet." And they'd be just weeping and moaning, and but <laughs> he knew something that we don't know. Uh, we we want a, a mark on our little Bible or something because. Somebody made a profession of faith that, that we talked to. And 
Jonathan Edwards and Paul, they, <laughs> they weren't worried about that. They, they wanted people to really, really get it. <laughs> Not just here, but here, all the way. <laughs> so those, those people that, that he would sometimes just look at, sometimes talk to in, in the textile mills and in churches and, and places, Some, sometimes he'd make them wait for days. And, and they'd be laying on the ground moaning, knowing, knowing of their sin and, and, and you know, having that revelation and knowing that, that something had to happen. <laughs> and and he'd, just, he'd just make them wait. You know, it, it sounds like that's cruel, but he knew something. And okay, so the first word is revelation. So we, in order to come to God, we, we got to have revelation of God. Sometimes revelation of of our own condition is is very helpful, and usually when revelation of God comes, revelation of our own condition is is right behind it. Uh, so <clears throat> then the next step is Hebrews 12:17. Um, for you know that even afterwards when he desired to inherit the blessing and and this was uh, Esau he was rejected for he found no place for repentance though he sought for it with tears. Hmm. Now that's a verse that can challenge our understanding of repentance a little bit. Esau knew that he sold his birthright. Uh, <clears throat> he couldn't get it back. He he re, he had regret. He he even cried tears. He he was sorry. But the word says that that wasn't repentance. So, <laughs> she's so cute. <laughs> so, the next Greek word that we need to understand is metanoia. And it's the, the word that's translated repentance in Revelation, or in Hebrews twelve seventeen. And, and this is the definition of, of metanoia. It's a change of mind from evil to good or from good to better. <laughs> That's important. Repentance. The imperative mood of, of this word implies an act of human will that is possible for all to whom the call comes. Any any of us can can make that response. And it is made possible by God's empowering grace. Because grace is the supernatural empowering to do what God is asking us to do. We sometimes 
mistake mercy and grace, or we get those two confused. Grace is that supernatural empowering. And then there's, there's a final word that we need to understand. Because repentance is, is changing our mind. Thinking differently from bad to good or from good to better. That good to better is important for us. And the verse that we're going to look at here is Acts 3.19. Therefore, repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. That's a great verse. Let me read that one again. Acts 3.19 Therefore repent and return, or some say repent and turn, so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. So in that turning, in, in that repentance and turning, there is the wiping away of our sins and an access to the presence of the Lord where the times of refreshing are available to us that were not available to us before. Okay? So there's, <clears throat> there's repentance and there's turning so that our sins are wiped away and so that we can find these times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. So this, this word that is translated return or turning is uh, epistropho, and it means to turn, to turn toward, to convert unto, to cause to return from error, to turn to the service and worship of the one true God. Let me give you that one again. <laughs> that's what this, this word that's translated return in Acts 3.19 really means. To turn, to turn to the service and worship of the one true God. It's, it's often translated convert or conversion. So <clears throat> the process, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> so the process of true repentance, it begins with revelation from God of who he is and, and our condition. His justice, his ways, his perspective, so that we can change our mind through an act of our will and turn to God to be converted to his ways. That's, that's really the, the biblical understanding of, of repentance. So let, let me give that to you again. <clears throat> The process of repentance begins with revelation of God 
his ways, his character, his justice, his perspective. So that we can change our minds and think differently. No longer thinking to the way we used to think, but thinking according to his justice, his ways, his perspective, which will change the way we live into alignment with him so that we are con converted to him and to his ways. So what repentance is not? You, you probably gathered this already from, from the passage in Hebrews. <clears throat> it, it is not... Um, <clears throat> not the, the true repentance that, that we're getting at. There's another Greek word that, that is uh, sometimes misunderstood to mean repentance. Uh, and, and this one is metamelome instead of metanoia. And it is to be concerned about our actions, to regret to express the desire that what was done may be undone, often, often to avoid consequences <laughs> of, of the wrong that, that we've done. It's accompanied by regret or remorse, but with no effective change of heart, or maybe a better way of, of saying it is with, without an effective change in allegiance. Because we, we can have regret, we can have remorse. We, we can wish that what we did was undone so that we didn't have to live with the consequences. But we can still be our own God. And, and that is, that's like repentance without conversion. And I think we see a lot of that. Uh, <clears throat> some evangelists can, can preach a good, powerful message and everybody feels condemned. <laughs> they, they feel sorry for their sins. They're not ready to let God be God. <laughs> but they're ready to say they're sorry. eternal difference. Exactly, because, <laughs> because that's my next verse. <laughs> Is uh, Matthew 7, or Matthew 27, uh, verses 3 through 5, about Judas. Then when Judas had betrayed him, Jesus he saw that he had been condemned. He felt remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. But they said, what is that to us? See to that yourself. And he threw the 
pieces of silver into the temple sanctuary, departed, went away, and hanged himself. There, there was, there was not repentance. Uh, he, he had regret. Uh, he knew he had sinned, but he didn't change allegiance. Well, that's that's true. <laughs> yeah. So. <clears throat> The contrast is, is the difference between regret and, and true repentance. True, repent, true repentance leads to a change in heart, not just a change in mind. Conversion is the surrender or change of the will in addition to the change of the mind as a response of repentance through revelation resulting in a turning toward God as God. Not just as one who offers us forgiveness because there's a difference. And therein, I think, is, is one of the key problems that we have. You, we can turn to God as the forgiver of our sins, but not turn to him as God. Conversion is turning to him as God not just the forgiver of our sins. Because if, if we only turn to God as the forgiver of our sins and we just keep doing whatever we were doing and we just keep asking him for forgiveness, what have we been converted to? There hasn't been any. When, when we're converted to God, <laughs> as God. <laughs> There's now somebody else in charge of our life. And see, that's, that's where this goes back to original intent. And that's what Jesus came for. He came to restore us as the people of God to God's original intent for us that we would walk with him, that he would direct us in our lives, that, that our lives would now look different because somebody else is in charge. Some, the, the throne on our heart, we, I was removed... <laughs> And, and God came and sat there. That's, that's what that looks like. I was dethroned, and God came and sat on the throne that he was supposed to be in all along. And, and that is uh, true repentance 
resulting in true conversion. And and some some of the uh, fruits of that are that the things that are important to God become increasingly important to us. And and I mean part part of that is is us being a, a body. And you know, God gifts each each one of us so that the body has all of its members. And and so we value meeting together. Because when we meet together we need all the pieces of the body here to to do to give to uh you know whatever uh their their part is and and that's important to God because the true church is the bride of Christ that means we, we are the number one thing on Jesus mind cuz he's a good bridegroom and and the bride is the number one thing on the true bridegroom's heart. So, you know, we we gotta love each other. And and Jesus said that's that's how we would know, how the world would know that that we were his. Because because we love each other. <laughs> and so, you know, we we get to know each other, we we serve each other, we we help each other when when we need help. That's that's just the way it is. So the problem with the partial gospel <clears throat> that gospel of regret that that partial repentance of regret it, it's still human centered. It's it's me wishing I didn't have to go through the consequences of my decision <laughs> or what I did. And that's Esau and that's Judas. And and there wasn't any restoration for them. Because there wasn't true repentance. There there was just regret and, and wishing they could undo. So true repentance is is God centered. It it is all aimed at God. And the best example of this is Psalm fifty one four. And this this is David speaking. And Psalm fifty one was written when Nathan the prophet came and confronted David about his heinous sin with Bathsheba and murdering of her husband. I mean, this, <laughs> this, this was a dark time for David. And, and what does David say? He says, against you, God, and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. Even though 
David committed some horrible sins. God was God to David. (laughs) David wasn't God. I mean, momentarily, David slipped into the throne (laughs) of, of his own heart, and that's the only way he could do those things that he did. But it was a momentary thing. In David's life, God was God. And so, um, do, do you understand the idea of Jesus restoring us back to God's original intent? I think I've probably hit on that well enough. Because what what we're up against in, in our culture is is humanism, where man is God. And so we need to make sure that we don't present a gospel. that provides forgiveness of sin but doesn't move man off the throne of his own heart. Because that's not conversion. Uh, that's, that's falling short. And, and that's, that's why, I believe, why we have a 3% rate of true discipleship where Jonathan Edwards had 97%. Uh, he, he was presenting an apostolic gospel to the people. And, and there was <clears throat> the signs and wonders that followed Jonathan Edwards were, were uh, the true repentance that came upon people when he presented the gospel. I, I don't know that there's an evidence of, of a healing in, in his ministry, but he had the gift of the Holy Spirit of conviction on his words like only a few people in the history of the church. I, I mean, he didn't even have to speak. That, that story of him going into the textile mill in, in Massachusetts and just standing there. And within an hour, everyone in the whole factory is on the floor moaning and weeping, and he leaves. He leaves them like that for two days. And and I, I believe that what was happening is is they were... They had received such a revelation of the holiness of God and their own sin that all they could do is fall on the floor and cry and and moan for mercy. And then he comes back two days later and and presents the gospel and and they're all saved. And, And that's how you can have a city like Atlantic City, New Jersey, of 50,000 people, and they could find one adult who who had not committed his life to the Lord Jesus. 
it, it sure doesn't come with the gospel that uh, most of the church is presenting. <laughs> uh, and, and so I don't know about you, but I'm asking for that gift. I, I would rather have that gift than the, the gift of being able to pray for anybody for healing. I, I would. It, it's, yeah, it's the ultimate healing and restoration of, of the whole person for eternity. Yeah. So I invite you to seek the Lord for that gift for yourself. Um, <clears throat> when, when we present a, a man-centered gospel, we shouldn't be surprised that we end up with human-centered people who remain unconverted. <clears throat> and I, I just, I wonder um, what John the Baptist would say if he came to the church in America. This, this is what he said to, to the people that were in earshot of him in uh, Matthew 3, and there's a parallel passage in Luke. But when he, John the Baptist, saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid at the root of the trees, and every tree, therefore, that, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Whew. <laughs> He's about as politically corrupt, correct as, as Donald Trump. So what, what would John the Baptist say? <clears throat> to the church in America. Um, I don't think it would be a lot different. And what would we say? What would the church in America say? Well, I prayed that prayer. I prayed the one they told me to pray. I'm saved, and they told me, once saved, always saved. <laughs> yes, I was, but <laughs> uh, how far is that going to get us? Or how far is that going to get people? Because I know I'm mainly speaking to, to people who are truly converted here today. But I don't want us to fall prey to presenting a partial gospel. Having prayed a prayer and still living our life however we want is falling short of God's intent. He, he is to be on the throne. <clears throat> <clears throat> 
And, and we are to live a life in communion with God such that we never want to say no to him. Whatever he asks. And, and sometimes he, he can ask us to do costly things. I remember <clears throat> when Joy and I decided that we would homeschool our kids. And uh, at, at that time, there were a lot of changes going on. And by her quitting her job and me getting a different job, it resulted in our income being cut by two-thirds of, of what it had been. And most of the other nurses that Joy worked with, they, they were just in shock. Because uh, a, a lot of them, uh, even though they were married, they completely kept their finances separate. And, and they're like, well, what are you going to do? How, how can you do this? And yet, uh, you know, we, we didn't suffer. <laughs> God, God blessed us. We, we didn't go out to eat anymore. <laughs> or very rarely. But, I mean, we really didn't notice. And, and that's amazing. Uh, and, you know, I, I could say the same thing about uh, leaving the job that I had at, at the DOT. Now that, was, that was like my dream job. If, if I could have the perfect job until retirement, that would have been it. Uh, and a lot of the guys that I worked with, they thought I was nuts. You're going to do what? And it's it's kind of encouraging. There there was one guy who I didn't know him real well at, at the DOT, but we we were having lunch at the same time one day together just before I left, and so I ended up telling him what what I was about to do, and 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 he he really uh, thought that was a bad idea. <laughs> He, he thought I was making a big mistake. And and now, years later, uh, he is a great friend and of, of the people that I know in town who, who don't go to this church, he, he's probably my biggest supporter. Uh, and that's, that's just God. But... I don't know what, what God's going to ask you to do or not do. But you've got to give him the chance. I mean, if, if he is God, <laughs> then we have to let him be God. And, and that's what this whole conversion thing is, is all about. That that turning word. 
we, we abandon the ways of the world and we adopt his ways. It's, it's a choice of the will. Yeah, we, we fall short. We, we make intentional and unintentional mistakes. Uh, but we're still going in one direction. And when we notice that we've kicked God off the throne, we let him back on the throne. And that's, that's what it's about. And, and the world needs the Lord to raise up a people who are truly converted. Converted to original intent. All the way. And, and that is what repentance can do. When we receive that revelation, we repent, we think differently, and we turn to God. Then the times of refreshing can come to our souls. And the thing about this, this whole process is uh, John Wimber, uh, I don't know if he actually wrote the book or if the book was written about him. Uh, I think it was written about him after he passed away. But the title of the book is The Way In is the Way On. And that's what this is all about. Because we, we don't do this kind of repentance once. <laughs> and it doesn't even always involve sin. Remember, it's about changing our mind, even f not just from evil to good, but from good to better. Because <laughs> good can be the enemy of the best. <laughs> and so, this repentance, it, it, we just keep doing it. As God gives us new revelation, we receive that revelation, we change our thinking, and we turn fully toward God as God, and we say, release your grace so that I can now walk in this new way of yours that I have become aware of. And, and that is the rest of our lives. So, I think I'm done. <laughs> yes, he is. And, and, and we ask for that grace. Yeah, and that's, that's part of our turning. Mm -hmm. So, um, <clears throat> uh, I, I guess uh, I would like to lead us in a, in a prayer and talk to anyone who, who might make a decision today uh, that's different than maybe the one they previously made. Uh, 
So <clears throat> I'll, I'll pray and you can pray after me if, if you want to. Father, I thank you for making provision to restore me to your original intent. I confess my sins. I am sorry for my sins. I receive your revelation of who you are, of your ways. And I choose to think according to your ways. I choose to come off the throne of my own heart and ask you to come on the throne. I turn to you as God to be God in my life. So empower me to walk in your ways. Let me know you more and represent you well in this generation for the glory of your Son. Amen. Hmm. Ah, I just felt a, a peace come down <laughs> when we finished that. Uh, I'm going to try to put this, a summary of this, on one sheet of paper and have it available that you can use to talk to people. This, this is the best understanding that I have of the apostolic gospel at, at this point. I think there's probably more. <laughs> but at least I think this is getting pretty close. So be blessed and walk with God. And represent him well. <laughs>